I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcast is supported by BQE, the makers of BQE Core. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Really, our strategy at a high level is to start to string all that stuff together, right? It's like, how often do you guys hear people in construction say, hey, I have to use like 12 different softwares on any given day, right? Or my data doesn't flow from here to there or whatever. We very much have this, this is a really, really bad analogy, but like Apple has their ecosystem, right? And right, once you're in the ecosystem, all this stuff talks to each other. And it's like a lot easier if you're within that ecosystem. And that's not to say that we don't plan to play nice with third parties and take data from Autodesk and Procore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we really do have this vision that we have all these pieces in the chain, all the way from design through build, through operate. And if we can make them all talk together really well and flow the data well, through those different pieces and through the different stakeholders on a, on a job who need to use those pieces. That's our vision for how we can make construction more productive. Hello, my name is Demetrius, and you're listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thanks for coming back, everybody. In today's episode, we continue to explore the evolution of construction, this time speaking with Jordan Laver, Director of Product Strategy and Innovation for Building Construction Technology at Trimble. In that role, Jordan is responsible for the long-range vision and roadmap for the various cutting-edge products that Trimble brings to the construction site. 
This conversation will touch on the differences between VR, AR, and MR, Trimble's XR10 product and their partnership with Microsoft, current use cases for MR technology on the construction site, Trimble's BuildLink MR product, design considerations with this new technology, and what's to come in the near future behind a ton of money from big tech and ever-increasing user accessibility. I'm joined by my co-host Jason as we discuss the future of construction with Jordan Laver. So Jason, uh, we did a episode, oh, I don't even know how long ago when we talked about evolution of construction. Do you recall mm-hmm. that? And, I do. and we had a or the lack of evolution. Of construction. <laughs> yeah. And we talked a little bit about uh, I threw out the idea because I had seen something at the time about sort of a, a headset mixed reality where if you're yep. walking out on the construction side, you can see where the beams or columns and stuff goes. Uh, yep. I don't remember where you fell on it, but I think one of our guests was like, that is not going to happen. Where did you fall on that? Yeah, I'm kind of in that same realm. Okay. Um, I think we talked with somebody else that had the whole like room, like a broadcasted room or something, right? Wasn't there like a, a space where, help me out. Do you I, remember what I'm talking about? I, it wasn't necessarily VR, but it was like a projected room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah. That one made more sense to me than like the VR idea. Yeah. Um, so at least you could literally like walk it as opposed to these funky like um, rendered areas. Like I just, I'm not buying that. Yeah, so that's that's where I was talking about. I think we may have got confused then. Okay. Because that's what I was talking about, which I think is uh, clearly going to take off. Uh, I think that's totally feasible, yeah. Which our next guest is going to, to help inform a little bit. So he is the Director of Product Strategy and Innovation Construction Tech at Trimble, Inc. Please help me welcome Jordan Lover. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Jordan, we had this crazy conversation, uh, as you may have heard us talk about. It, it's, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like an interesting one. And it was uh, there was a, a complete division, I think, <laughs> in the room at the time, as far as people that believed in mixed reality happening uh, in the construction side or not. Yep. And then I recently saw Trimble put out some cool videos of someone walking a site and how that view looks with a mixed reality. Uh, so, so I'd love to dig into that product with you, but before we do discuss that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role, and then maybe a brief snapshot of what Trimble is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I am originally from Ohio. I grew up in a construction family. Um, my uncle was a, was a residential contractor. My dad was his plumber and electrician. Um, so I kind of grew up at least, you know, maybe not so much on the commercial side as, as on the residential side, but kind of growing up in that construction environment. So graduated high school, went to college and said, I don't want to work in construction. And so I went and got engineering degrees. Um, so I have a background uh, in uh, geomatics, which is essentially the study of anything geospatial. So surveying and mapping and GPS, photogrammetry, those types of things. And you know, as life happens, I ended up back in construction, right? Like I, I, I came to Trimble 
um, I came to Trimble right out of school um, to, to work a couple of different product management jobs. And I just, for whatever reason, I mean, maybe it's just because where my roots were, I naturally gravitate back to construction. And so it's pretty interesting in that I feel like I've had an opportunity to kind of come at the industry from two different angles, one being actually in it and, you know, seeing my, my dad and my uncle in it and the things that, that they dealt with on a day-to-day basis, even at their smaller scale. And now coming at it from the technology side, um, which is where Trimble sits. So, so I guess a quick background on Trimble. Um, we're about 12,000 people. Um, we're headquartered in California. Whoa. I'm in Denver, um, which is uh, where one of our largest offices is. We're over 40 years old. Trimble kind of found its roots in positioning technology. So hmm. the U.S. military originally developed GPS. And when they opened that up for public use, Trimble's founder, Charlie Trimble, took GPS technology and went and applied it for industrial use cases, used it for surveying and marine applications and offshore oil oil rigs. And from there, just kind of expanded this idea of adding spatial awareness, spatial data to industry and and how that could increase the productivity of, of, of various applications. So if you're driving down the freeway and you see the big Kiwit uh, machines doing their uh they're grading and you see the little yellow bucket looking thing yep. on the top. That's a Trimble GPS receiver. It's driving Crazy. that machine. Okay. Right. So you guys know SketchUp. We own SketchUp. Mm-hmm. That's our architecture and design division. Um, we've got other authoring softwares like Tecla. We've got construction management software. We acquired eBuilder. We acquired Viewpoint. Um, we like Jason Demetrius really wasn't kidding when we do a lot of stuff, but it all kind of, <laughs> Wraps it sounds like idea. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all wraps around this idea of really trying to push the digital transformation of these various industries. So we mainly play in kind of what we would call like infrastructure. So like civil construction, mm-hmm. bridges, roads, airports, buildings, construction, all the way from the authoring of the data in the office out to the field. We make laser scanners and drones and robots and total <laughs> stations and all Jeez. kinds of stuff. And then out to geospatial workflows, surveyors uh, out in the bush doing doing surveys. Uh, we have a whole agriculture division, transportation division, where you're guiding tractors out on a farm autonomously with Trimble GPS receivers and those types of things, and all the underlying software and whatnot that drives it as well. So yeah, it's a pretty interesting company to work for. It's funny, um, the Trimble brand itself, except for certain little niches, isn't isn't a household name at all. No. But a lot of our sub brands are, right? Like how many people know SketchUp, right? It's like they think it's Google SketchUp, but you know, it's actually Trimble SketchUp. But uh yeah, so my role, uh, it's actually a new role uh this year. I'm focused on on-site construction technology for the buildings industry. Hmm. So what can we software and hardware wise go put on a buildings construction site to make it operate more efficiently, make the workers more productive, save money, save time, make people more safe, et cetera, et cetera. So prior to that, I spent my last six years running the mixed reality business at Trimble. So um, really focused on, happy to dive in deeper on this, um, focused on augmented mixed and virtual reality technology and how we can go take those to to the construction site as well. With everything that you're saying with 12,000 people, I mean, to your point, I'm shocked. I've never heard of Tremble. With all the little things you're naming out, it's like good heavens. I mean, that's you guys got your yeah. fingers in everything. You know, it, it really seems like. Yeah. 
just to add on to that, and this is maybe maybe a very short tangent, is it's certainly not our strategy to fly under the radar. That, that needs to change. Um, but pretty much anywhere you look on a construction site, there's Trimble technology. That's crazy. Whether it's estimating ERP, field machines, robotics, whatever. And so really our strategy at a high level is to start to string all that stuff together, right? It's like, how often do you guys hear people in construction say, hey, I have to use like 12 different softwares on any given day, right? Or my data doesn't flow from here to there or whatever. We very much have this, uh, you know, this is a really, really bad analogy, but like Apple has their ecosystem, right? And right, once you're in the ecosystem, all the stuff talks to each other. And it's like a lot easier if you're within that ecosystem. Yeah. And that's not to say that we don't plan to play nice with third parties and take data from Autodesk and Procore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we really do have this vision that we have all these pieces in the chain, all the way from design through build, through operate. And if we can make them all talk together really well and flow the data well, through those different pieces and through the different stakeholders on a, on a job yep. who need to use those pieces. That's our vision for how we can make construction more productive. Yeah. Cool. Now I wanted to dig in on at least one of the products. Maybe we can squeeze in a few, but uh, the, sure. the mixed reality one that you guys have recently been promoting. Can you talk a little bit about that product and, and maybe kind of how you processed through creating that and, and, and how you guys are rolling it out? Yeah, it's, it's a loaded question. I'm going to start from the top. <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, I'm going to clarify, because I, I think it's important to do this, the difference between augmented, mixed, and virtual reality technology, because I think it helps viewers to wrap their head around what it is we're talking about here. <laughs> help, help me for sure. <laughs> I could tell right from the outset that this would be valuable for you guys. Um, yeah, he's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so virtual reality is the oldest of these. Um, that's not to say it's like, going out of date is just it's the one that most people are familiar with right that is a device like a like an oculus or an htc vive or something like that that you put on your head and it takes you to another world right like you can't see your world anymore you're sitting in your desk chair um and you're kind of going like this or you're using an xbox controller to kind of drive yourself around this purely digital model. I think this is the one that you see a little more on the design side and the architecture side, because you haven't gone and built anything yet, right? Like we're just, we're in dreamland, right? And we're just wanting to explore and design. That technology has really come quite far and it's getting better every day. You know, you guys were talking earlier about what's called a BIM cave, right? You go in, it's projectors on walls. Okay. It's like that to me was kind of, you know, they're, they're comparable, right? It's like you're trying to, to simulate as if you were actually walking around in that building to some extent. And then there's augmented reality. When I think of augmented reality, I think the best way to describe it is like Pokemon Go, right? <laughs> Where like I'm looking through some kind of screen that has a pass-through camera on it, and it's overlaying data on that view of the world, right? Like Google Glass, that was augmented reality, yeah. right? It's like you could still see your world. You could still walk around or you're looking through your phone camera at a world. But it was then digitally adding a layer on top of that. It's still very much two-dimensional, right? You might be able to kind of go like this on it. But like this is like when you're on Amazon and you're looking at a new couch and it's like, see it in your room. <laughs> That's augmented reality, right? It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I can kind of see what this is going to look like in my room. So then mixed reality, which is where we spend most of our time, not all of our time, but we spend most of our time, 
is kind of a more advanced form of, of augmented reality in that it's a full three-dimensional experience. So it's a head-mounted display you're wearing on your head. It's a fully transparent glass. So I can still see the world around me. It's like you're wearing a pair of bulky sunglasses, right? And as you move through that space, pretty complex sensors on the front of that device are mapping and understanding that space. They've got LIDAR, they've got stereo cameras, and they're understanding that environment around you. And so as you move through, it's able to actually take 3D data and put it merged within your world as if it were there, right? Like I could have a holographic coffee mug. I could be wearing this device. No one else can see that coffee mug because it's only being shown through my device. I can literally reach out with my hand and I can pick it up. And I can go like this because it sees my hand, it sees that mug. Even though that my hand is in the real world and that coffee mug is in the digital world, I can reach out and I can grab that coffee mug and I can pick it out and I can manipulate it. And then I can set it down on my desk and it knows my desk is there. So it won't let me push it through the desk. It'll stop it on top of the desk as if gravity were there, right? And so it's this merging of the two worlds where because the device can see and understand your physical world, the room in which you're sitting or the site in which you're walking through, it's then able to do this full three-dimensional overlay. And then you can just use your hands to kind of interact with menus and the data. Hmm. So that is (laughs) kind of a a really quick touch on mixed reality. But I, I really wanted to kind of talk about that because it's really that last bit that we're focused on for the most part, which is this idea that I can seamlessly overlay 3D data in my world and it's as if it's there. Yeah. And okay. so we've had mixed reality products out in the market for uh, about four or five years now. Um, we create a, a device called the Trimble XR10, which is a partnership with Microsoft. So Microsoft creates a mixed reality device called the HoloLens, mm-hmm. Microsoft HoloLens. That's mostly aimed at enterprise use cases. You guys may have seen the news reports where they're making one for the US military as well. They've got a big army contract where they're making HoloLens devices for the military as well. Mm -hmm. So they partnered with Trimble and they're like, hey, let's go make a HoloLens that you can go use in industrial environments. So we took the HoloLens and we integrated it with a hard hat and noise canceling headphones and we got it safety rated so that you could go take it on a site and be OSHA approved. Like we did all the things to actually make it site ready. And then we built software that runs on top of it that enables you to take BIM data that you're making in Revit or you're using in Navisworks or Tecla or SketchUp or wherever, and it flows through Trimble's cloud. And you can then load that in this device and go walk a site with that data overlaid within the context of that site environment. (laughs) Holy cow. So you're not looking at plans on paper as much. No, you're on the site. So, I mean... For the last, let's call it three or four years since we've had that product in the market, I would say the primary use case, the primary value proposition for that is around QAQC. And that can be done at any point in the construction, right? So it's like, imagine walking out on site and the steel just went up. You're the GC and you're going out with the plumbing contractor. And before he goes out there and sends a crew to start installing big plumbing components, he wants to make sure that his design's going to fit. In other words, he wants to make sure that the steel guys did their job to plan and they didn't add any additional supports that are now going to run into where his plumbing is supposed to run. So he can walk out on that site even before he begins work and he can take his digital model 
and overlay it within the physical environment and he can walk around and make sure that it's going to fit exactly where he's designed. That's sick. (laughs) And then imagine that as you're going, right? As you're building, you can continuously make sure, you know, like ultimately at the end of the day, you're a GC, you're out there watching a bunch of different guys put together a big puzzle and it's got really intertwining components. And for as much as you can, do in the authoring software around coordination and making sure that it's all going to piece together. When you're out in in real life, things change, right? And they don't always get documented, right? The steel guys are like, oh man, we actually need more support here. Let's throw a few kickers in there. Oh, well, that's where your prefabricated HVAC components were supposed to run. And they're on a truck and now they're not going to fit anymore, right? right? How, How much money does it save you to catch that today instead of three weeks from now when those components show up? Money, just as one time, example. failures, all that kind of stuff. Right. So now to finally get to the actual question that Demetrius asked. <laughs> so we just released a new software product on that same platform. It's called Trimble FieldLink MR. So we already sell a big software package called Trimble FieldLink that's targeted at construction layout. So workers out on a site are using Trimble optical instruments, the Trimble Total Station, to very precisely direct them to layout points, right? You load your BIM in, from that you get points to layout. These guys go out and they lay out five to 700 points in a day to 16th of an inch precision. They go out there, they're using spray paint or Sharpie markers to say, okay, here, 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 to instruct someone else where to drill, where to put in hangers, anchor bolts, et cetera. That's already a huge time savings. Mm-hmm. That's a product that we've been selling for a long time, right? That's an adaptation of a surveying instrument aimed at traditional surveyors and saying, hey, how can we go take that to a construction site and allow people to get rid of tape measures and change? That's literally projecting yeah. just like points or lasers or something saying drill here. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Exactly. Do you guys have an understanding of that time savings yet? Like percentage-wise, kind of how much... I'm sure we do. Okay. Don't quote me on it, but I'm sure it's easily accessible on our website for for the layout stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's night and day. Like I'm talking like multiples. Like um, so we've we've kind of got an evolution of it. And like what I just talked about isn't even what we announced, right? That's been in the market forever, right? That's ten <laughs> year old technology. So you know, it used to be you had a blueprint, right? And you got a guy looking down on a two D blueprint. He's trying to translate that into a 3D world, <laughs> yeah. right? And he's got a tape measure and he's like, okay, so if I go off this wall this far with a tape measure, okay, then I mark it, right? And you can imagine the, the room for error there in many no, different ways. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so any large GC or any large MEP contractor you go to today, they're using layout instrumentation, whether it's yeah, Trimble sure. or Leica or Hilti. And it's essentially just guiding them to that, those points much faster and at a much higher precision, either with a direct laser, it's just shooting a laser beam on the ground, or it's directing what's called a prism pole. It's tracking essentially a beacon on a pole mm-hmm. that's kind of guiding them into a waypoint, mm-hmm. right? The new product that we just announced is that in mixed reality. So imagine today when you're out there doing layout. You're walking around with kind of a tablet controller that you say like, okay, I want to lay out that point. And then the laser turns or it starts kind of directing you with your rod to that point, right? When when you're in that today, essentially what that looks like is it's like, okay, your point is six feet, three and three quarters inches that way and four feet, two and seven eighths inches that way. And you have to like mentally calculate like, okay, where, where is that, right? That initial first movement 
kind of takes a while to like get your bearings and like, okay, which direction do I need to go? And it's over here. And then it starts to hone you into that precise point. Now in mixed reality, we've removed that controller and it's all head mounted. So if you think about that idea of the overlay of the BIM model, imagine that it's now the overlay of the BIM model and all your points just dotted around on your slab, right? And it literally says, there's your point. And it's literally a shining beacon of light saying, here's your point, come to me. (laughs) And you walk over there and the total station is still involved, right? The total station is still tracking you because you're still getting your super high precision from that optical instrument. But the mixed reality provides you that really beautiful visual of like, it's right here, come closer. And then once you get close, it hones you in using the same total station technology. And so it's really saving time on that initial first move. And so if you can imagine guys out there doing five to 700 points a day, if you can save them five seconds on every point on that initial getting your bearings, where am I headed? And then honing in on that point, I mean, you, you guys can do the math on on the time savings we're talking about. Yeah, you're probably cutting time in at least half, I would I would guess, somewhere around well, there. Well, I mean, not only that, like just in the working spot, but if you have like approved plans and for inspections and all that kind of stuff, I mean, that's where these guys get held up a whole lot is when they're failing some type of inspection. And then you got to correct everything, redo it, reschedule. All the other trades are stopped at that point. Like it's, the, yeah. you know, just even from that right. administrative side of it. That's that's the compounded time saving. Big time. Yeah. Uh, just from the accuracy of getting things done. Yeah. Wow. Let's take a break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love most. This series will help. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series, created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teeger, FAIA, aims to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew his practice from a solo practitioner to a 30-plus person firm then later sold his firm to do what he does today, help architects be more successful through Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth for years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Tiger at bqe.com masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit, and when you visit bqe.com masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free, and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass, at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to the conversation. I'm sure you guys know the the Construction Brothers podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we were on Tyler and Eddie's show a couple weeks ago, and we actually had them out to our Denver office to, to have a look at this new product. So there's a guy named Nathan Patton. He's the product manager on my team for this product. And he is like a layout pro. Like 
doing surveying work for eight to 10 years in Canada before he came to Trimble. And so like, he's a pro, right? Like he knows how to use the thing, like traditional means yeah. like, on the tablet and he's like this yeah. doing it. So like, he's equivalent to like a guy you'd find out on the site, just like knocking yeah. it out. Right. And then on the flip side, <laughs> no offense to Eddie, we had Eddie <laughs> in the office and he's like, I've never done layout in my life. <laughs> and we're like, well, let's do a race. Let's wow. give Nathan the tablet, which he's incredibly proficient with. And then let's put the HoloLens on Eddie's head. Yeah. You know, we'll give him like five minutes of training. And then we'll put the HoloLens on Eddie's head. And we'll have them lay out the same 25 points. We just did it in our office, right? Yeah. We just set up some points in our office. We're like, we'll have them lay out the same 25 points. Yeah. And they laid them out in the exact same amount of time. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> with, with zero zero experience. That's right. hilarious. And, and, and so by comparison and like we're, we're not at the point where we're like willing to put a stake in the ground on on the the efficiency savings doing this in mixed reality yet we'll we'll get there within the coming months but like nathan when he goes in mixed reality with all of his experience when he puts it. the xr10 in or xr10 on he's about 30 to 40 percent faster Jeez. than he is on the tablet yeah wow so you're talking instead of five to seven hundred points a day upwards of a thousand points a day it could be for some of these guys out there it probably had to be incredibly frustrating for Nathan, right? To to be like basically neck and neck with somebody that's never done it. But the way I actually see it is you take somebody like Nathan who's got all this experience and knowledge and whatever. Now he doesn't have to do the quote unquote menial task. You know what I mean? You can literally throw that on somebody else's head who just gets guided by whatever. And he just kind of yeah. has to oversee. So you can literally oversee multiple things with somebody that really knows how to problem solve, really has all the history. Right. And you can take somebody that's novice and make them very useful very quickly, which, which kind of is another, it's kind of another um, way of attacking some of the issues we have in our industry D that we've talked about without that next generation and that labor force coming in. You know what I mean? Like you can finally yeah, get people right. in here that don't feel stupid about what they're doing can be useful and they can be trained. Um, and you can capitalize on the people that are still here and maybe multiply out their talents, you know? Yeah, I, I can promise you that Nathan wasn't frustrated because it's his oh, product. Yeah. He's like super jazzed that it works that well. Uh, but but yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you're hitting on, on, I would say, the kind of the two main, main value propositions. There's obviously the productivity game, right? Like anyone is going to benefit from that, whether they're a novice or they're an expert layout yeah. technician. Mm -hmm. Even the guy who's been out there doing this for 15 years, he's going to find value if he decides to sure. use this mixed reality. Like he's, he's going to do it faster. But you're right it reduces the training time and it makes it a more approachable technology for folks that don't have that yeah. expertise or that background in serving, or they haven't been doing it for 10 years. And I would even add that there's a third, which kind of maybe flies under the radar, which is having the ability to do your work in context of the work that's actually going to be done. Yeah. So let me parse that out. So today you're a layout technician and you're out there laying out points. You just got points, right? Like it's like, do a point, do a point. And you're just like, all you're really seeing are 2D mm -hmm. points on a slab or on a ceiling that you need to go mark. And that's about the extent of your job. But with mixed reality, not only are you getting those points, but you're also seeing the model mm -hmm. as well. You're enabling one more person on the construction site with the BIM data. So thus you're realizing more and more value from your BIM investment by finding one more person mm -hmm. on the site who can recognize issues, right? Mm -hmm. That same QAQC thing that yeah. we were talking about before, if the guy's out there and he's laying out points 
and he's saying, well, I'm laying out points here, but like I'm seeing the model and like the, the HVAC run is like three feet over here. Like <laughs> boss, there's something wrong going yeah, on. That's a good right? point. It's like, he would have never seen that before. He would have laid out all those points and then they would have found the issue later. And then he would be, at, be back out there laying out points again. It's upscaling the ability from the onset. It's a holistic approach. Cause you have, like you said, that whole, that understanding of what's to come rather than just there to do your job and get out. Um, you yep. know where the problem is going to be because you know what you're doing and you're like, that's dumb. Um, so that for, for any architects that are listening to this, it should inform you that you need to front load your contracts even more to make sure that you work things out early and have your model tied up. Because what ends up happening a lot of times in design is things get compounded as you're going through and changes are being made at the 11th hour by whoever it is, the the architect or the property owner, and things get pushed to figure it out during the permit process or in the field, unfortunately. <laughs> so if you have this product now where people can uh, and should be able to understand the project in a holistic sense, you have to make sure that you are done and ready to go by the time you're submitted and for sure by the time it hits the field so that everybody knows and you can take advantage of that, of everyone's understanding of their part of the, the job. Yeah, when when I think about this from from a design perspective, to me it's all about architecture firms are putting more and more investment in authoring 3D data and BIM data. And the push in the industry, whether it's at the architect level or the GCs or even into the subs, is how can I make that model as constructible as mm -hmm. possible, right? Like that as high LOD and as as close to what's going to be done out on site as possible. And there's always going to be this, this balance in this battle of, well, if I put in too much effort up front, but that data doesn't actually get used, well, then I've wasted investment, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where we're coming at, at it from on the field side. It's like, we all know that there's a ton of value in putting in that upfront investment in that data, yeah. but how can we continue to realize it over and over and over again? and start to realize even more value from making it more constructible, right? Like imagine a future where you could literally put this device on someone's head and it just shows them what to build, yep. right? If you trusted your design model and it was high enough LOD yeah. that they could walk out on site, maybe even with sequencing, it shows them, all right, piece one, you know, you got prefabricated components coming off the truck. All right, piece one needs to go here. Yep. Piece two needs to go here. And it's literally just showing them what, and where to install stuff as they go about their work to really just like continually drive that confidence that they're doing the right thing and you're not going to end up reworking all that stuff. It's funny that you just gave that example because that's the exact thing I was thinking in my head when you start dealing with factory built or, um, you know, panelization and that type of stuff, you know, you can take it from your axe, you know, your marking points and everything and your anchor bolts and whatnot all the way up to literally just stacking units and take out a lot of that thought process in yeah. general. Um, shoot, man. I, uh, I like that. I'll give a shout out to a, to a friend. Um, there's a startup there based, I think they're in LA actually. Um, maybe, maybe San Francisco. They're in San Francisco called Hyperframe. And their CEO is, is named Ken Sobel. And they have a brilliant idea for aluminum wall stick framing 
in mixed reality where it's essentially (laughs) can we turn this big thing into a lego set more or less right i was just thinking legos like as dumb as that sounds like throwing that thing on top of a kid's head literally like building the whole you know this piece goes here and this it's it's exactly what they're doing they're they're taking a revit file they're sending it out for prefab when those sticks show up every single one has a laser engraved qr code on it that the device scans and it's like oh i know what this piece is and it shows you exactly where to put it wow <laughs> we got to talk to those guys d yeah yeah on bringing it back to home i guess more on on the design side maybe maybe coming full circle back to to my roots yeah. my dad um is in his 70s now and just a few years ago, he, he taught himself how to use SketchUp just from YouTube videos. Um, he mostly just does renovation work now. He'll go in and do kitchen renovations, bathroom renovations, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he taught himself how to use SketchUp because he just found it was a lot easier to show someone like what he what he was envisioning on an iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really, you know, he used to just sketch everything, right? Now he can actually go out and show people what their new kitchen is going to look like. Well, I was like, well, let's take this one step further. Like this is my dad who's in his 70s and he's out there with a HoloLens now and he takes that SketchUp <laughs> model and he loads it into this HoloLens and I swear to you, like he's putting it on like little old ladies' heads. Oh my God. Before he even starts construction, before he even does demo and has them walking Damn. through their new kitchen. And you can start to you can start to uncover like, oh, this is what the view is going to be like if I'm sitting in my living room looking into my new kitchen, what it's going to look like. And like, oh, maybe we should like put a hole in that wall so I have like a better line of sight or maybe that wall shouldn't be as big or whatever. Like you start to sniff those design considerations out at that stage before you started anything. Right. Because really, if you think about it, right, what you're talking about is you have the you have the intersection at this point between. Well, what's the percentage? I want to say five to 10% of people can actually envision things in their mind walking through and the rest of the world has no right. idea, like literally cannot map or throw an image onto that wall in their own brain space, right? So you're literally creating the intersection yep. point of those two pieces. You're giving other individuals the ability to vision out what the plan actually is instead of them sitting there going, Oh yeah, we're going to open this up and do this and that and whatever. Don't you understand and see it? And the people are like, oh, what? like, what are you talking about? Right. That app that, that my dad uses, there is a SketchUp app that runs on HoloLens. So it's actually, there is a HoloLens app that's targeted at architects. It's coming out of, out of our SketchUp group. Um, so like if you have a SketchUp pro subscription, you are, you already have access to that application. You obviously need the hardware, mm-hmm. um, but you have access to that already. You can, you can go use it today. But one of the coolest things there is, you know, imagine you've got a client and they've got that device on their head. You can be on a computer making changes and they'll see them, right? It's like, oh, what if I like move this wall a little bit? Or like, what if the carpet was red instead of green, right? And like, you can literally be doing that on your MacBook Pro in SketchUp and it's going to stream in real time across to their HoloLens and they're going to see those changes. Yeah. What is the cost of like a HoloLens or something like that? If your dad's walking around, you know, as a as an old man GC, I think you called him or whatever, you know, <laughs> what what is something like that run? So the off the shelf Microsoft Hololens two, um, which isn't the hard hat integrated one, is thirty five hundred dollars. So buy it straight from Microsoft. Um, the XR ten, which is our kind of ruggedized uh, hard hat integrated one, uh, more for enterprise construction, is fifty two hundred dollars. I was gonna say about five grand. Okay, yeah, that's really nothing. Another practical question, what is the weight of the system on your head compared to a normal construction a hard hat? 
Yeah, um, it's it's a great question. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you; it adds weight, right? It's like it's, the thing's not a feather, right? It's like you're essentially wearing a computer on your head. Um, it's been a while since since I looked at it. Um, it's all publicly accessible on, on our website. But what what I would throw out there is, is this: maybe two things. First, in our research, weight actually isn't the thing that makes things you wear in your head uncomfortable is what is balance. Um, like if you think about a motorcycle helmet, like those things weigh like 12 pounds, yeah. but like yeah. they're balanced around your whole melon. Yeah. And so, so you don't feel them as much. Right. Yep. And so when we designed the XR 10, that's actually what we learned through, through our hardware design. You know, we knew there was going to be weight, right. It's never going to be as comfortable as just wearing a hard hat, right. You're putting more weight on your head, but we really focused all of our energy on, how can we make this balanced left, right, and front, back? And it's almost perfectly dead center of the skull um, weight balance. So, like, that's good. But I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it's obviously adding weight. Like, you're going to notice it on your head. You're not going to be like, oh, I don't even know. It's like wearing a ball cap. Like, the, the technology is not there yet today. But at the same time, like, we've got people that go and wear the thing for four or six hours at a time, and, and they're fine. The second piece that I would add is this is – where technology is going, there's so much money getting invested into this space, like to the point where it's getting like over the top buzzwordy with the metaverse <laughs> and mm. Facebook rebranding themselves and Apple's rumored to be coming out with a head mounted display either this year or next. Facebook certainly got things on the way. Google's working on stuff like all your big, like Microsoft beat everybody to the punch, but they very much focused on enterprise customers. They're in healthcare and manufacturing and construction, et cetera. Now everyone else is catching up, but they're saying, okay, this is the next platform for computing for a consumer, right? Hmm. That the data can be accessible in a pair of glasses uh, overlaid on top of your environment. Um, versus your phone or versus your watch or just as an additional accessory to that way in which people access and, and communicate with data. Mm -hmm. So to that point, I think we can all be very, very confident that within a decade, this is a pair of glasses that like just fit under the hard hat. And there will at some point, I would say within those same 10 years, be an inflection point where your workers start bringing it to the site with them. Hmm. Like there was an, there was an inflection point in construction where like it used to be, you had to buy specialized controllers and stuff to give to your guys out in the field to use software. Right. And then at a certain point, everyone was just bringing their own iPhone, yeah, right? Because totally. it became accessible and everybody had it outside of work life and they just brought it to work with them too. Yeah. As you're just going to have these things. Right. And so the question will be, okay, how do we, continue to to evolve and say okay well all the things we're learning today on specialized hardware how do we eventually make that work on more bring your own device mm -hmm. type hardware because that's absolutely where it's going and at that point weight's not an issue right like it's going to be like wearing a pair of ray-bans on you know uh, uh, under your hard hat yeah wow that's amazing okay jordan one last question for you what do you guys have coming down the pipe that you can share with us that that you're working on yeah so um, so the layout application I talked about is, is our latest and greatest. So, so FieldLink MR that, that we were talking about, we just announced it last month. Um, it's releasing here probably within the next three to four months, I would say. And people are pretty jazzed about it. We're excited to get it out there um, for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's, for us, it's really that next evolution of our 
of our layout technology for, for on-site construction. Um, and then I'll also throw in there, um, the, this, this maybe isn't as exciting as that, but uh, we created a pair of sunglasses for the HoloLens, as funny as that sounds. One thing that mixed reality devices tend to struggle with today is ambient sunlight, right? If you're standing out on the top deck and it's super bright out, like it's a transparent display, right? It can wash out some of the data that you're trying to visualize and experience. And so we developed essentially a clip-on sunshade that's photochromic. So it's a transition lens. So if you're out in super high sunlight, the oh, thing goes cool. as dark as a motorcycle helmet. If you're just in light ambient light, you know, kind of, you know, lightens up a little bit. It's really aimed at kind of really nailing that contrast of that experience when you're out in that type of environment. And so for us, those two kind of went hand in hand with, with it's called hollow tint and Fieldlink MR. It's like, hey, guys are going to be up on top decks doing layout and we need to make this thing more usable for them. But, you know, even beyond that QAQC workflows, we've got a lot of people out in oil and gas uh, mm -hmm. using mixture out devices uh, out on oil rigs and those types of things. Like anything we can do to make the technology more accessible for more people in more environments, like that's what we're all about. Super cool. Very cool. Thank you so much, Jordan. If people want to follow along, I don't know if you have any personal channels that you want to promote uh, or if they want to follow along with Trimble, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, honestly, LinkedIn is where I put most of my stuff. Um, I'm pretty active on there, um, sharing new new product announcements and, and customer stories and those types of things. So, so yeah, just look up Jordan Lover on LinkedIn or our social is, is Trimble Buildings. So Trim, Trimble Buildings Constructions, where we post kind of the wider array of, uh, of stuff that we're doing for the buildings construction industry. Great. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you, Jason, for joining me again. And thank you to the listeners for listening. We'll talk again on the next one. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon.
architecture firm owners and emerging leaders. Get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry. With Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.